Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great. We got a great lineup for all of you today. Thank you for tuning us in and turning us on. You know, this is an interesting, Michael Jarrow is going to join us here today. And one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to Michael about was, especially after reading his book, uh, and we're going to talk about this today. Um, one of the things that I, personally for me that I've worked with has been this, this idea of how we show up on the outside and what goes on on, on the inside. So you know, what Michael writes about is the sensitive soul, the unseen role of emotion in extraordinary states. Now, I know that this book was probably written a while ago, but it does explore and looks at what yeah. goes on in the life of all of us, our emotions, how they shape us, you know, how they direct our mind, our personalities. And what is the role of emotions, especially for, you know, many of us that have had traumatic life experiences, even if it took us a while to figure out that we've had those experiences, or maybe there's a part of your life that you're, you know, you know, has gone on. Maybe it's reflected now in the way you feel. Maybe you can't get rid of a headache. Maybe there are some things that open you up. But what are these emotions and how do they come to the forefront today? Um, that's what we're going to talk about with Michael in Sensitive Soul. For those of you out there, um, this is what I want to say. You're going to hear a lot about Michael, writer, speaker, researcher, uh, personality development, one of my favorites, spirituality. Um, and, you know, what does this mean to really step into the psychological consciousness research, right? What does it mean to look at that, the studies of science and consciousness? You know, what is all of or any of that mean? And so here's what I want to say about this. And this is why I'm really excited to talk with him is, you know, on my way to becoming me once upon a time, I brought a research project to the forefront when I went back to school. And I included a scale, which is a measurement of my view of spirituality. And what I found was that while it seemed very natural for me to want to study broken promises, promises, obligations, commitment, you know, while that's what I was studying, there was a, a light bulb that went on for me, even back then before I was doing this, where I said to myself, there's a spiritual nature to this. Now, if you want to go back to when that was, the rooms of psychology weren't very open to talking about that. But thanks to people like Michael and others and those of us that were not willing to give up the fight, so to speak, 
there's a new conversation that has to be had. And it's the conversation today that causes people to walk on thin ice or to walk on eggshells or to feel like they're walking on eggshells. But what does it mean when you put it together? That's what Sensitive Soul is about. Michael, it's great to have you here today. Dr. Pat, it's a true pleasure, and I appreciate that very generous introduction. You know, I, I pretty much got laughed out of my school when I tried to sneak in a measurement. <laughs> I swear, I actually did get it done. But I tried to get it like, what do you call it, under the radar of a dissertation committee by kind of putting it in there. Um, the good news is, didn't get to do it as part of the main, but got to do it as part of the postdoctorate. Um, and let's fast forward to where we are today. We have come a long way in looking at and having conversations about how we show up physically, mentally, and emotionally, and now spiritually. What has been for you in coming out of the gate and writing this book and you being all of you what are some of the challenges and obstacles that you had to overcome to get you right here to this moment? Hmm. Uh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a cool question. <laughs> well, um, first off, I just want to say that even though I've been writing for um, probably about 20 years um, and doing this kind of research for even longer, uh, the book itself, um, I'm happy to say, is fairly recent. It's, it's been out for about a month. Yep. Uh, it follows on to uh, previous books. It's, it's all sort of all of a piece. Um, I, I guess the biggest challenge has been, and and the landscape has improved quite a bit, is the appreciation, as you say, of emotion as kind of a driver in our lives. Um, when I started researching and really um, thinking through some of some of the issues that I've come to write about, uh, you know, PTSD was in the news. This is going back to the mid-1990s. PTSD was in the news. Um, chronic fatigue was becoming a thing, becoming better known. Um, certainly depression was taken seriously. Um, irritable, irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia, all these so-called psychosomatic ills were beginning to come to the fore. And the 90s were officially recognized actually through the National Institutes of Health as the decade of the brain. So everybody was thinking about and, and addressing these um, very bodily realities uh, and, and uh, conditions that involve the whole person um, from a purely brain perspective. And I'm, I'm pleased to say that over the past 20 years, I believe the, uh, the landscape has, has broadened so that um, most folks when you talk about irritable bowel syndrome or PTSD, uh, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, uh, it's now understood that these are conditions that really involve the whole person. And the term psychosomatic isn't as pejorative anymore. You know, you can't just say, oh, that's psychosomatic. Yes, it is psychosomatic because we're psychosomatic. <laughs> we're mind, body, spirit, emotion. And I've, I've always looked at emotion as kind of the strand that pulls all of those things together. So I found that emotion has, has been a very fruitful path to explore, and it uh, I think has helped people to to better appreciate our differences um, and and you know our ills as well. Well, and, and you know this is why, first of all, you know I've read your other books, 
and you know was was so really thrilled to be talking with you today because we've been on this journey with emotions and what i mean by that is you know we've been on this pathway where so many judgments are made about emotions now fast forward to where we are now and we are seeing a wide range of things you know everything from you know your book on the spiritual anatomy of emotion right or your emotional type i mean these really talk to what's going on on the inside of people and you know they're extremely difficult for some individuals to really grasp. And I want to ask you this question too. When we talk about the sensitive soul, and thank you for writing this book. I mean, thank you for all the books, but thank you for writing this. When we talk about the sensitive soul, people have an image of somebody that is perhaps more feminine, somebody that is a different type of person. And I think this is a misunderstanding, almost to the point where introverts were really misunderstood, like, right? Can you talk about what encompasses the sensitive soul from your perspective? Well, uh, this book is an extension, as, as you mentioned, Dr. Pat, from, from previous books. Mm. And it really looks at uh, conditions and I would say um, personality types as well uh, that we haven't looked at through the lens of emotion. So autism, for example, um, savantism. Uh, there are people with some amazing, amazing talents who are, who are savants, who have really a disability when it comes to leading independent lives, but do extraordinary creative work. Uh, child prodigies. Um, people who are synesthetes, who have um, overlapping senses, like um, um, uh, hearing a color or, or tasting a shape. It's really an extraordinary uh, type of perception that some people have. Uh, and also people with um, psychic predilections, people that uh, are very, very intuitive uh, and that have had um, uh, anomalous or psychic perceptions or experiences, which I believe are not all that uncommon. So all of these to me are aspects of a sensitive soul. What I mean is uh, a person who is probably through some kind of combination of nature and nurture, uh, but more likely nature, they come into this world uh, more sensitive than others. They um, are open to more things. They feel more deeply than most people do. Uh, and uh, yeah, so some people can say, well, sensitive is a you know thing you can sort of brush off and say, oh, you know, he's too sensitive, she's too sensitive. <laughs> yeah, in that limited sense, you can talk about sensitivity, but I'm talking about sensitivity more broadly, which is as a as a characteristic of how we yeah. take in the world and how yeah. we relate to other people and other things. And that's why I asked you the question, because um, Benny has known me for 16 years since I started doing this. Linda has known me since I was 23. And one of the things that 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 I've been told and, and believe me, when you work in corporate America, especially me, when you work in corporate America, HR, and this is before I went back to school, you have taken every assessment, especially in the old Bell company, you have taken every ass assessment known to mankind. 
everything. Anytime there was a new kind of assessment, the phone company, Bell Labs that I work for, oh, you got to take it. So what I love about what you're talking about is it helps people, and especially someone like me, who seems to have, what is the word? Who seems to have, how did somebody describe it to me? Somebody said to me one time, you're like a coconut. And I, and, uh, I, I have to tell you, I have been through so many assessments, the whole thing. You're like a coconut. Or more like, you know, you're like, you're like this thing that's got this really hard outside part to it. But then on the inside, you're that. And I think what happens for a lot of people is that we get put in some kind of box or we get put in some kind of place. And if you're any part of corporate America and you've taken an assessment, the idea of an assessment is that you take it and then you have to change to become more like what the company wants you to be, right? But when life deals you experiences, and this you talk about this in the book, so I'm giving you my quick synopsis. When you go through and you think about a life, and, and I've been reflecting on this, my life. Mom commits suicide at six. You're homeless at 17. You're arrested at 19 for something you didn't do. Uh, you're part of the Stonewall riots. You're protesting. You're burning your bra. And you're not even 21 yet. And, you think, and, and then you go through life, and every woman that was ever close to you dies traumatically, instantaneously, in the weirdest ways. How do those life experiences, and even when you're faced with your own illness, maybe near death, how do all of those really help or guide the pathway for the sensitive soul or even alter it? And the reason I'm asking you this question is we live in a world now where the rate of autism is higher than it's ever been, right? Um, I was watching Joe Biden about a couple weeks ago, and the dude's talking about stuttering. I stuttered, so I could see it in him. You can hear it in me, the way I pause. Um, you have, you're learning different. You know how many kids are learning different right now? And I can go on. But you cover this in the book. You talk about Body Mind Speaks. Here's my question for you, Michael. Have we now entered a realm of letting go of everything we think we know about this and starting with a clean slate, a blank canvas. What are your thoughts? Well, Am I too Pollyanna-ish for you right here? No, I, I, I think it's a marvelous question and I, I wanna give it a, a, a good answer, which it deserves. Well, a couple things come to mind. First is I think as a society, we're really making progress in embracing our differences. Um, you know, I think about the era that I grew up in, uh, which is basically the 1970s and into the 1980s. And um, I think about entertainers, actually. I think about people on television and people who um, are well known to us. And it seems like over the years, there are more sides of celebrities that we've seen. And there's Kind of a more of appreciation that uh, 
people who had a you know big name, big show. Um, uh, that wasn't exactly the person that you saw on air. Uh, that was the actual person, um, for better and for worse. There, there are so many more sides of people than I ever grew up appreciating. So I think some of the writing I've done has really been accelerated by the understanding that as a society, we're embracing more complexity. It's not all black and white. It's not, uh, um, this is necessarily 100% right, this is 100% wrong. Uh, there are so many variations in how people learn, like you say, how people take in the world. Um, so I think in some sense, I would say starting at the beginning, but I think we're, we're, we're coming to embrace the idea that differences can be good and that people are complex creatures and that what you see isn't necessarily what you get. Like you say with yourself, you know, uh, someone comes across a certain way and inside they can be completely different. And in fact, how they're different on the inside could be motivating how they present themselves on the outside. Um, and I think that's, uh, on the whole, it's a good thing. It, it, I think it troubles some people that um, we seem to be, you know, moving away from tried and truisms and things we always accepted. I know that throws people for a loop, but I, I'm hopeful that we're moving towards um, uh, a better sort of wider appreciation uh, that there's more that everybody brings to the table and you can't just trust initial impressions. You know, one of the things I was fascinated by in this particular book, and, uh, and I want to talk with you about it, is um, I look at what we're going through COVID-19. I look at what we're going through in our political arena. I look at these things, and I had a moment today where it, there was something that hit me oddly today when I just took it in. And in your book, you talk about um, the alterations of consciousness and emotions, but then you also talk about the process of, of synthesis, so to speak. And, and I'm having these moments now where the things that I'm feeling don't seem like they're of this earth. Now, uh, let me just be clear. Am I having an out-of-body experience? I don't know. Maybe I am. But it's not quite that. It's as if I'm now taking things in in a way I had not before. I'm taking things in and they're like the dots are getting connected at an emotional level. And, and I wanted to ask you about this because, you know, when we look at these things and you address we're living closer to the bone, here's what I feel. I feel like when I had shoulder surgery and my bone was at risk and what the pain of that felt like. And when I think about this, I'm wondering, is this now the time for us to truly face ourselves? Not from a place of judgment, but from a place of getting to know ourselves at an emotional level that we've always had, but really have been afraid to go. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like Spock, the final frontier, but we're scared to death to get on the enterprise. Yeah, this is the journey that everyone is on and everyone should be on. 
you know, it's interesting you mentioned Star Trek. I was watching a, I was watching a, a rerun of Star Trek The Next Generation with my wife last night. And it was an episode, I don't know how many of your listeners and viewers are familiar with Star Trek Next Generation, but the Borg were the fearsome uh, aliens oh. who were sort of like these insects that wanted every, you know, every other organism, including human beings, to be uh, absorbed into this collective, like a hive mentality. And um, the commander of the Enterprise, uh, the Captain Picard, was sort of taken by them and became, you know, uh, their their um, their their top <laughs> um, operator in this collective. And then he it was a two-part episode. He finally managed they managed to to get him back uh, into the Federation. And he uh, he goes in this episode to back to Earth, um, and he meets up with his family in, in France and particularly his brother. And it's not till the very end of the episode that you realize that he's working through all of these very conflicting feelings about uh, having basically his mind removed from him and his being appropriated very forcibly into this collective. And um, uh, he's shaking it off and he didn't realize that he came to earth. He knew he needed a break, but there's this, um, fight scene at the end he gets into this altercation with his brother they've never got really gotten along and they just have it out and he laughs he laughs after they fight they both lay back and laugh and then he starts crying and the emotions that were all pent up the feelings about um, his individuality being ripped from him just come to the surface and it's not till the end of the episode and you realize that's what the whole episode was basically about it's it's his journey to becoming whole again and uh, I mentioned that, uh, I think, as, a, as sort of a microcosm, an example of what we all go through. Um, some of us are more mindful of what we're feeling, what we've been through, the repercussions, the consequences, what we should do next, uh, what we need uh, at this point in our, life, uh, in our lives. But um, uh, many other people don't. And it takes a lot for them to get to a point where they uh, do come home to themselves, if you will, and, and understand um, what's going on and, and where they are and what they need to do next. And it's a, it's a difficult journey. Uh, and everyone's equipped to take it differently because we all experience our feelings differently. And we all sort of recollect and ruminate and decide uh, based on different criteria. But uh, I think that that's the journey everybody's on. Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk to something because you make a um, brilliant connection, as, as usual, uh, that explained a lot to me one of the things that you do so beautifully is you talk about things like autism, you talk about things like inflammation, you talk about the body. And if I'd have read this book, or if I'd have met you in uh, 2002 or three, I would have probably just gone like this. But then in 2004, my mentor said to me, Pat, you can't take a person to a place you've never been. And so right in front of my face became the thing that I had never experienced, the breakdown of my body. Now, clearly stuttered, clearly have, I'm learning different. I've had those things, but I could always count on my body, right? And then one day I couldn't. And the journey that I went on, and this is my word, and I'd love for you to talk about it because you do it so beautifully in the book. But my expression of what the experience was like, not just for a moment, but for the next 10 years, 
pretty much literally cracked me open at every part of my being. And it's almost as if my soul was screaming, you better follow my guidance. That is like a short summary of a book you wrote to talk about what people experience. I wanted to ask you about it because it's, is it different for different people? And how do we navigate through this? So if I had your book in 2005, I probably could have saved five years of pain, but I didn't. And so I'm looking for a shortcut from you, if you don't mind. <laughs> so, um, oh, no, I know you don't have one. <laughs> no, it, um, the, the framework that I always find helpful, Dr. Pat, is boundaries. Oh, yeah. Is, is the idea that we're all, uh, as human beings, along a continuum. Uh, where some people are extremely thick boundary, some people are extremely thin boundary, and most people are somewhere in between. And uh, I find the framework really helpful because uh, I've sort of tested it over a number of years now, and it seems to hold up pretty well. Um, it, if anything, if people aren't familiar with boundaries, it's somewhat akin to uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the Myers-Briggs um, typology. It's a little bit like that, um, but it has to do with openness versus being closed and um, being receptive versus being self-reliant. And um, I found that it's a, it's a good barometer where people are on the boundary spectrum of how they deal with their feelings. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can take a little quiz actually, if, if folks want to do that, it takes about uh, 10 minutes. There's a, a sample short form boundary quiz on the website, youremotionaltype.com. Yeah, I love it. And it comes right up and it's it's automatically scored and people can get, kind of get a quick and dirty sense of where they are on the boundary spectrum. Um, and uh, we relate in our, in our second book that I did with Dr. Mark McCosey, which is called Your Emotional Type. We relate the types of illnesses that people have to their emotional predilections. And we present evidence that certain types of ills, certain types of, of conditions and, and um, uh, physical difficulties that people have are related to their boundary type. So that thin boundary people are more likely to, um, to have certain kinds of illnesses and thick boundary people are more likely to have certain kinds of illnesses. Uh, in that sense, and we talk about this in, in the book, your emotional type. Every illness is an opportunity to learn about yourself because your body is yourself. It's not the only part of you, but it's the part of you that's most apparent. And literally how you're feeling and how your body is acting, what it's doing or not doing, is saying something about who you are and what you're capable of or not capable of at that moment. And if you're not capable of certain things at that moment, if your body is rebelling, well, why is it rebelling? Now, we're willing to say that there are diseases um, that are basically, you know, caused by germs, by microbes. COVID-19 is a perfect example. Uh, and someone who gets COVID-19, uh, and I, you know, I, I, I hope that, that nobody listening or watching us has to, to go through this, um, it's not their fault. Right, it, they, they get it, it's, it's a bug uh, that's in their system and they have to deal with it. 
However, there's another class of illness, which uh, I mentioned psychosomatic before, which is not to say that it should be sloughed off at all, but all of the conditions that I mentioned uh, and, and some that I didn't, depression, allergy, migraine, chronic fatigue, irritable bowel, PTSD, ulcer, psoriasis, eczema, uh, chronic pain, fibromyalgia. Um, all of these things are affected by a person's feelings and by their style of feeling. That's our contention that we set out in your emotional type. So in that sense, there's a wide variety of, of illnesses that overtake people that can be illuminating, that they can, even though they're back on their heels, they might be flat on their back, not able to muster the energy, if it's chronic fatigue, to do very much. But there's an opportunity there to learn something about themselves because um, these kinds of illnesses aren't completely from outside. They don't just invade us. They're um, nurtured in some sense. And that's not to say that people are at fault for having these illnesses, but there's some more fundamental part of us that's involved in these kinds of illnesses. And so I, I think they're an opportunity for, for learning and hopefully for growth. And you know, this is why for me, when I think about what you're bringing to the forefront, it is almost as if that I am watching a movie that I watched a couple of years ago with Scarlett Johansson. And the movie was called Lucy. And I was fascinated by this movie. I was fascinated by where it took her. I was fascinated by the realm of there being something to evolve to, right? Something organic, something at the next level. And, you know, I've talked to people about this, a couple of people are my friends, and they look at me and they say, we don't, we don't really get why that fascinates you. We, you know, I mean, it's sort of like a weird movie. And then I stepped back, Michael, and I said, wow, I realize now that I really do like weird movies. So you and I, um, resistance is futile. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I have three copies of the book to give away. But I want to talk about, I mean, this book has so much in it. Um, I, I want to get to the place of what about these unimagined sensitivities? And I encourage you folks, if you want to go to your emotionaltype.com, please do that. Um, but when we come back, I'm going to give three copies of the book. We're also taking your questions. Can you be that sensitive soul and not show it? I'm going to say that. We'll be right back. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Yeah. Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh, my goodness. A word of caution. 
If you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Sensitive Soul, the unsee role of emotion in extraordinary states. I want to just say this. Benny, we have three copies of the book to give away. Also, I welcome anybody that's got a question um, to give call in because this book has so much depth to it. You know, one of these days, I'm going to get a two-hour block with you because there's so much in here that explains things to people and uh, and I want to say that for you those of you out there this is this book sensitive soul you've called into shows before I would love to know if you have questions for Michael if you don't want to come on air it's okay if you're over at Facebook put your question up there and we'll get these questions on for you because if you're like me you've been called many things in your life that may or may not have been true you might have been called unapproachable. And when somebody calls you that, your heart hurts. So it doesn't connect. It's not aligned. You know, you may not cry openly, but you feel deeply. And what Michael has done in all of the books uh, is he sees you. I mean, that's the way I feel about this. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we're uh, experiencing something unusual. But uh, what it means is that there's an explanation that goes beyond the written word. And so what I want to be able to do is 1-800-930-2819. Please go ahead, 1-800-930-2819. And Michael, what is the website? What can we do to get people to get into this and find out more about you? Sure. Um, It's Michael Jower. Dot com, J-A-W-E-R. 
uh, and it's kind of got kind of a fun splash page when you first come on there. Uh, but then just click past the splash page and you'll be taken to the home page. And that's really a launching pad to, uh, to the three books thus far. Mm-hmm. And uh, just provide some overview of the themes that, that uh, I take up and that hopefully will uh, be interesting and, and, uh, and maybe even enlightening for folks. Okay. I would love to talk with you about unimagined sensitivities. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but I would love for you to describe this and the importance of it in the day and age we live with, it live in right now. Right. So um, unimagined sensitivities are really um, the, the range of, of sensitivities that some of us have and others perhaps can cultivate uh, that may actually be more apparent in animals, in um in our pets even. Uh, And what I do in one of the chapters in the book is to uh, show how a variety of animals have senses that um, we don't have. They have perhaps feelings that we don't have or um, uh, variations on the feelings that we do have. And it's hard, of course, to get a handle on this because we can't talk to our pets in the language that, uh, that we are used to speaking, but they speak in their own ways. Um, there are some really interesting stories of telepathic pets, for example, or pets who, uh, for example, there was a book done, pets, um, uh, dogs especially, who seem to know when their owners are coming home that I reference. A guy named Rupert Sheldrake, who's a fascinating uh, MD, I guess, actually, a PhD, I, I think, PhD, um, biologist who uh, has done studies of, um, of animals and their, their emotional connection with their owners. Uh, so it's things like that that the chapter addresses. And my, my uh, idea or, or the uh, principle here, I suppose, is that we can learn more from animals than we suspect yeah. because they live life closer to the bone, which is you know, a phrase that I use, and I appreciate you using that here. Uh, they're unencumbered by language the way we are. They yeah. don't think in such complex terms. They really are more feeling creatures fundamentally. And therefore, I think they have a lot to teach us about what life is really about. Uh, and so this is kind of the unimagined part of the sensitivity is the things that um, are on display with our animals yeah. and that we can gather from them um, is, is something that we can benefit from. You know, I want to ask you this, and again, Benny, 1-800-930-2819. We have three copies of this fantastic book to give away. So I want to just zip in here and get your comments on this. I I was sharing with you during the break, during my corporate years as a corporate executive in what was known as the phone company, any kind of assessment on the planet. I mean, I don't care what it is. It could be, do you have toenail fungus and the phone company would bring in some kind of assessment and equate that to something about who you are as a manager. Now, if you ever looked at my resume and every assessment and certification that they put me through, I'm so grateful for it. But the one that caused them a problem and you address this, so this is why I'm not going to put you on the hot seat, is the famous Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs almost cost me my job and my boss her job. So they come in 
and I am the big HR. So myself and my team, we're all going to get the test. Everybody gets a test and they're all talking about it and they get my score. And they're all meeting over here in the corner. If you can imagine me, I'm younger, but if you can imagine me and I rose up from the mailroom to this job, 13 years to get an undergraduate degree, and they're all over there and they're looking at me. And they come back and the consultant says to me, we need you to take the test again. And I said, oh, okay. I said, is there something wrong? And my boss has got this angry face. Like she was like, so I take the test again. Go back over there and they come back the next day. You need to take the test again. Okay, I'm gonna get cut right to the punchline because I'm going right to the part in the book about the bone. <laughs> it, you don't say about the bone. You don't call it that. But, but what you, you, you talk about closer to the bone, living closer to the bone. For Myers-Briggs, and my score was so far on the I, uh, 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 the N, the F, and the P, that I scored in the point, you know, like the thing, the curve? You know the curve? Okay. So I didn't know about curves till I went back to school. But over in the curve, over here on the end, is like a point something percent of the people. My boss and the view of that test was, you cannot be a manager. You can't be a manager. You can't, I managed a trillion dollar budget. I managed every project in Bell Labs history at the time. I worked for the president directly. But this one test, and, and the consultants tried to tell my boss that she didn't get it right. But what it said to them is, she can't be a leader, a manager. She's too feeling or something. And I wanted to talk with you about that because this is the judgment we make on people. It's not the judgment you make. It's not what you're talking about in this book or any of your books. Because I've read enough about you to know that you're trying to help us understand. And I still to this day think that when we make judgments about people in that way, it has an impact. Now, clearly for me, I was devastated four times, right? It didn't change the score. They, I think they thought I was cheating. I don't know. But I've come to now know and love that that part of me is what makes me so love talking to people like you, so connecting with you. Even though I have a New York edge to me, there's a side of me that I understand now that I never really understood. But the way you help people understand it, it really is the next frontier. What is your vision? And I'd love for you to comment that, but I really want to see if I knew you five years from now, where would you want to be standing and what would you want to be saying to people? Wow. Uh... You know this, but you ask terrific questions. <laughs> Just to affirm what everybody knows about you. Um, well, first off, as far as your experience with the Myers Briggs, uh, I can see that would be rattling. Even if you know, if someone didn't feel as deeply and wasn't on you know so much on the thin boundary side, that that would be rattling. Um, and it's unfortunate that 
uh, you know, tests uh, like that can be enlightening, um, but of course they, they shouldn't be used for ill. They shouldn't be used to box people in. Right. If anything, they should be used to unlock maybe abilities or talents that a person doesn't necessarily see. And I've had the good fortune um, to work with uh, some staff. Um, actually, when I was in the federal government, we used a, a different kind of a survey, a Gallup survey, um, which showed me as um, an interim manager uh, at that time, uh, some things that I didn't notice about the people that were working in that particular office. And I think it, it helped them to understand what maybe some other things that they were capable of, which we subsequently, subsequently uh, engaged. So I think that was all to the good. Uh, as, as far as five years from now, one thing that I'd really like to see, Dr. Pat, is a change in our society. Uh, and I know um, uh, my colleague, Mark Mokosi, who, who co-wrote Your Emotional Type, um, yeah. stands with me on this. Uh, we'd like to see a change so that uh, people look at health as something that's much more encompassing and it's not simply something to simply manage and uh, say, okay, I'm going to take this pill and I'll be all better. Uh, we have such a mentality in this country that illness is something that we, we certainly don't want for, for good and valid reasons, but the idea that we can treat it simply with some intervention uh, drugs in especially or surgery and make it go away. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I think for much of what ails us, uh, that's the wrong approach. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we need to look at the causes of illness and, and like I said before about how uh, we as individuals might be susceptible to particular kinds of illnesses and try to understand and work within the context of, of those illnesses and what sort of the hand that they deal us and not simply um, wave them away and say, well, I'm going to take this particular pill and I'll be all better. Yeah. Because I think that's a simplistic view of life and simplistic view of health and simplistic view of, of personality. Um, so like I say, there are some kinds of illnesses, um, you know, COVID-19, if we can get a vaccine for that, great. Um, there are diseases like that that have nothing to do with, uh, with human beings. We don't invite them upon us and, and we're just sort of uh, uh, struggling with them when, when they do hit. But um, other kinds of illnesses that are more psychosomatic really have to do with who we are as individuals. And there's so much to be learned uh, about who gets these kinds of illnesses and how they can um, get better. Uh, I think the whole concept of health could shift a little bit. We could yeah. stand to change that way. Yeah. And, you know, I want to stop for a moment. And first of all, thank you for today, because I know this time that we spend together moves so quickly, right? And I, I want to acknowledge two things, if you don't mind, and then ask you to please give out all the websites. One, I want to acknowledge the depth of what you're bringing to the forefront. Um, the other part of this is, you know, you don't shy away from the conversations that happen to people like me and our listeners. I mean, clearly there is a side to your work which allows people to be who they are. And that's kind of rare in the realm that I talked to you about, you know, whether it's 
talking to the American Psychological Association or a corporation, it doesn't matter. There's a new level here. Um, the other thing too that's important is you give everyone bandwidth. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, maybe because I'm in media, that's a term. But bandwidth means for me now, emotional, physical, mental, it allows us to expand and to grow and to do that by understanding. And that's what your books do in your message. Um, would you take a moment and first of all, how do we get the book? What is the new website for this? And then I might even share my emotional type results here today because now I can take an assessment and then not spend the next week trying to change myself. Please go <laughs> ahead. Well. The, uh, the website is uh, michaeljower.com, uh, and folks can even put a backslash after that and the word home. So michaeljower.com backslash home if they want to skip the, the fun animation, which I like at the beginning, and go right to the content. Um, and, and the three books are represented there. The kind of overarching themes um, are, are right there, so folks can go to whatever interests them. Um, and I, the phrase that Mark and I used with your emotional type is vive la difference. Um, and that's what makes the world go round. It's trite to say it, but differences really are what, um, we ought to respect and embrace. So, um, the idea of the boundary spectrum, and it's really just that it's a spectrum. It's a continuum. Someone can be all the way on the thin end, they can be all the way on the thick end, and that's perfectly fine. They have talents, they have abilities, they have special um, capacities that someone on the other side of that spectrum ain't going to have. Right. So life is richer for these differences. The other thing is, um, as Elaine Aaron has pointed out, she has a series of books called The Highly Sensitive Person. Uh, hsperson.com is her website, and, and she has a whole interesting set of books herself. Uh, I think she's pointed out, and, and we can see this day in and day out, that opposites attract. You know, people who are thin boundary tend to like to partner with people who are thick boundary, uh, and that's not by accident. You know, go back to, I think, the ancient Greeks recognized that. I think Plato said opposites attract or something along that line. So this is this is as, as fundamental about human nature as you can possibly get. So um, for people to see where they are on the boundary spectrum, to take that quiz and to appreciate what it means for their health and well-being and for aspects of themselves that they like to explore uh, is all the good. And I often get the question, well, if I'm on the thin side of the spectrum, how can I get a little more thicker? How can I develop a little thicker skin if I, if I want to go that direction? People also say, well, you know, I'd like to open myself up to more things, more experiences. How can I thin my boundaries a little bit? So these are questions that people typically have, and they're, they're very good questions, and, and they speak highly of the value of other points along the boundary spectrum, that we're in a big world, and, and we ought not to jump so quickly to conclusions about this is right and this is wrong. And it's a powerful message, and that's why I wanted to ask you that question. Now, I did take the, the I, did, I, loved, I loved this boundary type. And I think if I'd have taken this when I was still like that corporate executive persona, 
I would have taken this and thought, oh man, what's wrong with me? But my score makes perfect sense to me today in my life. Um, and it helps me understand because I truly do see, I do spend a lot of time daydreaming or fancy. I really do. I mean, if you knew how this network was born, it was driving across the I-90 bridge and my windshield literally lit up with an image of the network that was going to be started, the first 10 channels of it, and Transformation Talk Radio. Now, that may seem bizarre, but I took action on it. And, and I want to thank you for allowing us to explore ourselves. And for those of you out there, Sensitive Soul does that. Now, clearly, my little score for this uh, 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 test uh, was, uh, as I said, 68. And so I can sleep today. Uh, and you go ahead and smile, Michael. You can smile. Um, <laughs> well, the, the most you can get is 72, so you're pretty darn close. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I was on the fence on a, on a couple of the questions, and, and, uh, and I think I lied. I think I lied to the one about, I think I didn't want to admit the easily hurt one, that one. And Linda just texted me and said, oh, you just didn't tell the truth. You are easily hurt. You just don't show it. Um, but I want to thank you. And I want to ask you this last thing. Please give out the website again. Thank you so much for allowing all of us to really look at ourselves and be who we are. Um, what's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? And please give out the website again. Sure. Well, before I forget, it's uh, www.michaeljower.com, J-A-W-E-R. Uh, and it's a, it's a pleasure for me to be speaking with you, uh, Dr. Pat. Uh, I really appreciate um, your being so candid. And I guess to close, I'll, I'll be a little candid and say that when I worked on my first book for close to 10 years, uh, it took a lot of research and a lot of willpower to pull it together. Uh, it's a big book. It covers a lot of ground. Um, <laughs> and I was sweating bullets when I published that book, when um, Inner Traditions um, published it in, back in 2009, because it really brought out a whole side of me that nobody who I was working with professionally had any idea that I was interested in these topics. Emotion, spirituality, personality differences, um, health, uh, any of that. So uh, I, I just sweated bullets for about a month until I realized that people were okay with it. <laughs> I thought I was going to be ostracized because I have a particular persona that came across at work, as you did with the Bell Companies. And I was very, I was thrilled and relieved that people were not only okay with what I had presented and, and uh, written, but uh, embraced it. And, and wanted to know more about, well, why have you worked on these kinds of things and what does it mean to you? So um, I, I think that that's the vision that I have is that we, we as human beings can embrace differences and um, realize that we're stronger because of the differences as a society, not fear the differences, but realize we're all on the same journey. We, we all are, are discovering hopefully every day that we're here and we are alive to new things.